Hi guys, welcome back to the Alone Time Podcast. I'm Maddie Aldi, and I'm officially the worst, most inconsistent podcast host ever. (laughs) I know that I haven't been putting out episodes on the most consistent basis, and truthfully, it's because I haven't really had a ton of alone time lately. And that is because you can probably hear her wiggling around right now, but I gave birth last week. Last Friday, February 2nd, baby girl ended up coming a little bit earlier than expected, so I didn't have time to pre-record any episodes. Therefore, I haven't had anything for you guys. (laughs) Um, I've just been kind of thrust into the mom life and... Jeremy and I are just kind of trying to figure out this whole parenting thing on the fly, which has really been just kind of everywhere from exciting to exhausting to fun to overwhelming to just all of the things. So for today's episode, I actually thought it would be cool if I could just kind of share my birth story with you guys, if that's all right. And I wanted to do this for really two reasons. One, because I know when I was pregnant, I just loved listening to others' experiences with birth. It kind of helped me a lot, actually, to just make decisions about my own birth and kind of what to expect. So it could maybe be helpful for you or possibly even relatable if you've already had children or just gave birth yourself. And two, because I personally want to remember every single detail about my birth experience, both good and bad. So I wanted to talk about it while it's still kind of fresh in my mind. That way I can go back and listen whenever I want and so that I don't forget anything. I actually started crying in the shower the other day. (laughs) We'll get into talking about the post-birth hormones in a little bit, but um, I was just crying because I was thinking about how everything seemed to happen so abruptly that I almost felt like kind of out of it for the last few hours of my birth. And the last few hours were just so amazing and incredible. And even though it was seriously the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, I just am honestly kind of sad that I will never get to experience it again, at least with her, with my first baby. So first things first, her name is Emma. Her middle name is Shay. So it's little Emma Shay. And she is just the cutest little thing ever. I'm actually holding her right now. We just fed her. So I was going to see if maybe she would take a nap, but her eyes are like wide open. So... (laughs) Hopefully the soothing sounds of my voice will put her to sleep. Jeremy's actually working out right now. He's doing a little, little home workout, so I asked him if I could record the podcast because I haven't been able to in a while while he's doing that, so it's been good. We're kind of trying to figure out how to still keep our hobbies and be able to do things for ourselves, even though we are kind of just around the clock feeding and and trying to take care of this little babe. Um, But anyways, if you hear kind of some cooing and some noises in the background, it's just Emma. She was six pounds, 11 ounces at birth, and I was 38 weeks and two days. So 
She's just a little bit early, but not too, too bad. She does still only fit in preemie clothes, though. Um, we actually had to make an emergency run to Carter's for some preemie zipper sleepers because barely any of her other clothes fit. She's just like drowning in them. She lost almost a whole pound after birth. And we're also having, you know, just some, some minor issues with breastfeeding as I'm kind of waiting for my milk supply to fully come in. But I won't get into that right now because I feel like breastfeeding and postpartum could be a whole other episode, honestly, even two separate ones. But today we are just going to focus on the birth story for time's sake. Um, also, I posted our full birth vlog on YouTube if you want to see more in like video form. It's not of the actual birth, don't worry. It's more just like moments leading up to that and footage of us at the hospital with timestamps and things like that. But I love it and I think it's going to be so awesome to look back on. So I'm really, really glad that we took the vlog camera and that Jeremy took so many videos. So I will link that video below if you want to watch. But I figured a podcast would probably be the best way to really go into detail about things. So here we are. So, okay. January 31st. We had a cleaning service coming to help clean the house. Jeremy had asked me what I wanted as a push present earlier, and that's what I told him that I wanted. I just felt like I'd feel so much better bringing a new baby home with a clean house and clean floors, you know what I mean? So since they were coming here, I decided to go to my mom's because she was going to help give Grace, our dog, a bath, um, and she only lives like 30 minutes away. So I was going to go over there. I was exactly 38 weeks at that point. And it's crazy because when I was leaving my mom's later that day, we both were acting super weird. Like my mom kept saying she thought I was gonna have her early and she kept looking at me all weird before I left. And I don't know, I just felt really weird saying goodbye to her knowing that the next time she saw me, I'd probably have a baby. So I don't know, the whole thing was just, the vibes were weird and Anyways, I left her place around 3.30 p.m. I got home around 4 and I told Jeremy that I just felt super strange and I just wanted to take a shower and go to bed. And the whole time I was in the shower, I was just thinking to myself how weird I felt. I can't even explain it other than it felt like I was being overstimulated by like every single emotion that you could possibly imagine at one time. Like, I was trying to pinpoint one emotion in my head and I couldn't pick which emotion I was feeling because I actually was feeling them all, if that makes sense. I don't know. I've never felt like that before. It was the weirdest thing. But after my shower, I get ready for bed and I go downstairs because Jeremy and I were still sleeping on the couch at this point. And I told him that I literally didn't even want to eat dinner. I just felt like for some reason, I needed to go to sleep right then. So I went to bed at like 6 p.m. Hindsight, I should have told him that he should go to bed too because the next couple nights we'd be getting pretty much zero sleep. But I didn't know that that was what was actually happening. So it's not like I could have been like, you know, hey, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go into labor tonight. So you should get some rest. So he stayed up playing video games and... He'd pay for that later. 
But yeah, so I went to bed at 6 p.m. I naturally woke up around 9 p.m. and I was super hungry because I didn't eat dinner. So I just got up for like 30 minutes. I ate some leftover turkey beef that we had in the fridge and that's it. Um, and then I went back to sleep. And then those next five or six hours was probably the most sleep that I'd ever gotten during pregnancy. I can't even remember if I had to get up to pee at all. And usually I was peeing like at least every two hours when I was pregnant. So definitely different to be getting that much sleep. And then at 2.55 a.m., I wake up to the weirdest gush feeling of liquid, almost like I peed myself, but just different. I don't know how to describe it, but I had a feeling that my water had just broken and it wasn't like in the movies where you just explode water everywhere and it's just super apparent. It was just like, oh, bless you. Guys, that was the cutest little sneeze. But yeah, it wasn't like the movies. It wasn't super apparent. Um, it was just kind of like a slow leak. So I got up, I went to the bathroom, more of that stuff came out kind of just like slowly. So then I peed and then more came out again, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like to the point where it was dripping on the floor or like I had to wear a diaper or anything. So I was still a little bit hesitant to say whether or not it was for sure my water, but I went back out to the living room. I woke Jeremy up anyways, and I was like, hey, babe, I'm pretty sure my water just broke. And he just kind of looked at me wide-eyed like, what is happening? And I think he was in a really deep sleep because he even said something like, he was like, hold on, I need to wake up first. I'm so confused. So I gave him a second. I told him again. And he was like, uh, okay, like, well, what do we do? Like, we were both just like so confused because I wasn't having contractions at that point. So I was like, um, I guess we just go back to sleep for now. But I knew that if my water broke that I'd have to go into the hospital soon because I think it's like 24 hours or something after your water breaks where it starts to get really dangerous for, you know, me and the baby because the risk for infection just goes way up. So Jeremy went back to sleep and I told him that I'd wake him up if I started to feel contractions. But if not, then we could just kind of take our time in the morning, go grab some food and then head to the hospital. Because honestly, I... If I had a choice, I would have loved to like labor at home a little longer. I wanted to be at the hospital for the least amount of time possible. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to fall back asleep. So I just stayed up. I did some makeup. I put some heatless curls in my hair because I didn't the night before. But honestly, my hair was already pretty much dry at that point. So it was kind of pointless doing the heatless curls. But it was more so just kind of something for me to do and like occupy my mind while I waited for those few hours. Um, I also finished packing our hospital bags because those weren't completely done yet. That way we could kind of just get up and go in the morning. But I honestly had so much still that I needed to do or like wanted to do before having her. So I was a little thrown off that I wasn't going to have time for any of that now, even though I was so, so tired of being pregnant and like I wanted her to be here so badly. I still just was not expecting for her to come two weeks early. I really mentally was just like prepared to have those two weeks. Guys, I literally still had two more maternity shoots planned of like bump photos that I wanted to take before giving birth and those are never going to happen now. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. It's honestly not that big of a deal. Like I said, I was kind of hoping she would come early because I was just so over being pregnant. Um, but I woke Jeremy up again around 6.30 a.m., I want to say, and we kind of just took our time getting things ready and then we went to go grab some Chick-fil-A breakfast before heading to the hospital. I did have to put a pad on at this point because every time I walked or got up from sitting down I would leak a little bit more of that like amniotic fluid but we were still able to get our breakfast and then we just kind of pulled over in the Chick-fil-A parking lot and ate and listened to some worship music. I actually had put together a birth playlist earlier. It was called Emma Shea and it just has a bunch of my favorite worship songs on it. So we were listening to that and Jeremy just kind of looked over at me with tears in his eyes and he absolutely loses it in the car. And I was like, okay, like you're supposed to be the one consoling me right now. <laughs> but honestly, it hadn't really hit me yet that we were going to be having her like within the next 24 hours. Um, But apparently it hit him and it hit him pretty hard. So after we finished eating, I had to pee so freaking bad because of the way that she was sitting on my bladder. So we actually did go back home for a second just for me to use the bathroom before going to the hospital because I didn't know when I'd have the chance after we got there. I didn't know like if we were gonna go to triage right away or how that was gonna work. So stop to go to the bathroom and then we get to the hospital and I just tell the lady at the front that I'm pretty sure my water broke and they called me to go into triage because I think they have to check to make sure that it's your water before completely admitting you and like getting you a labor room and all that. So once I'm back in triage, they tell me to put the gown thing on. So I start getting undressed and right as I take off my sweatpants, a huge gush of fluid comes out all over the floor. This time it was like the movies. <laughs> Like, I made a huge mess and I just looked at Jeremy and I was like, uh, can you go get a nurse? <laughs> so he like opens the curtain and he found someone and they came in to help clean it up and they were so nice about it. They were like, it's no big deal. This happens all the time. You're good. And I was like, okay, because I felt so embarrassed. I literally can't even imagine if that had happened like in the middle of shopping at like Target or something. <laughs> But by that point, it was like pretty obvious that it was my water, even though they still technically had to check to make sure. So after they tested me, she came in and she was like, okay, no surprise here. That was your water. And then we got taken to our room. And I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting so much privacy with the room. And maybe TV is to blame for that too, or like different hospitals just do it differently. But we had our own private room with just us. We had a shower in there, a private bathroom, a little couch, like bed area for Jeremy to sleep on. They had a few different yoga birthing balls, a mini fridge. It was actually really nice. So we got to the hospital around 8 a.m. That's when I went into tri to triage and we were able to get a room by like 9.30. So it wasn't super long. And that's when they did a cervical check to see if I was dilated or if my cervix was effaced at all. Now, I literally put on my birth preferences sheet that I wanted minimal cervix checks. I did the same thing at my doctor's appointments after 36 weeks too because that's when they start to offer them, but I always declined. And the reason I declined them is because you could literally be 
three centimeters dilated and still not give birth for like another month. Or you could be one centimeter dilated and give birth later that day. So honestly, it doesn't really give you that much helpful information other than just to know if you're curious. But I didn't really feel like I wanted to get one and then be like disappointed if I wasn't dilated at all or something. So that's why I declined. But when you go to the hospital because your water breaks, they kind of have to check you initially because once your water breaks, you're pretty much immediately on a time limit for when you can give birth to the baby. And if your body isn't naturally doing it on its own, then they start talking about induction meds and all that. And I do want to preface by saying that I did go into this wanting to give birth as naturally as possible. I didn't want to be induced if I didn't have to. I didn't want an epidural if I didn't have to. And I wanted as few medical interventions as possible, if possible. And not because I was super against being induced or an epidural or anything, but honestly just because I genuinely wanted to know what it felt like. Call me crazy if you want, but I really wanted to experience labor pains just so that I knew what it was like. And maybe it's a first time mom thing, maybe it's a curiosity thing. I don't know. I honestly just wanted to see how much I could handle. And on the other hand, I've been super cautious my entire pregnancy about what I was putting into my body, whether it was food or medication. I didn't even take a single Tylenol when I was pregnant or a stool softener or anything, even though, you know, the pregnancy constipation was real. But I don't know if it's just because of the two previous miscarriages or just generalized pregnancy anxiety, but I just didn't want to put anything into my body that could potentially mess with the uh, homeostasis that I currently had going on in there. I just kind of wanted to do things as natural as possible, and so I wanted my birth experience to be the same. Also, I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys, but I feel like I need to say this. Just because I was a certain way during pregnancy or I was hoping for my birth to go a certain way, I would never in a million years judge another mom on the decisions that she makes for her pregnancy and her birth or even her baby. There's literally no evidence at all that things like Tylenol or stool softeners or anything like that affect your pregnancy or your baby in any way. It was literally just a personal preference of mine at the time. And I just think it's important to say that no matter what decisions you make, only you know what you're comfortable with for yourself and for your baby. So... Don't feel bad or feel guilty about any of it. Just do what feels right to you. And also, please don't judge other moms if they choose to do something differently. Because we are all quite literally just doing the best that we can. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. So they did the initial cervical check and I was only a half centimeter dilated. Not even a full centimeter, just a half. And I was like, dang, okay. But... I had heard stories from other women whose water broke and their body didn't naturally go into labor until like 12 to 14 hours later. So I was still kind of like optimistic about that. The other issue is that I was 0% effaced, meaning my cervix wasn't softening at all on its own. And if you watched our birth vlog video, maybe you can give me crap for not eating enough dates or something. I don't know. But that basically was the biggest issue at that time. So they did bring up the option of a cervix softening medication. I believe it was called mesoprostol or something like that. I had never heard of it before, so I was, of course, a little bit skeptical. Plus, it was still only 9.30 a.m. and I felt like I had a lot of time before I needed to make any, like, rash decisions. So I asked the nurse if we could wait a few hours, kind of let me try to get labor going naturally, and then 
If we still hadn't gotten anywhere, then go ahead and take the meds. So that's pretty much what we did. I sat on the yoga ball, did a bunch of hip circles and just standing and walking around and trying to kind of amp up contractions and get things going on my own. I don't remember if I mentioned this already, but at this point too, I also wasn't feeling any contractions yet. They had me hooked up to the monitor there um, and they told me that I was having them, but I just couldn't feel them yet. And they were still like fairly inconsistent. So we kind of just hung out, ate some food. I did my little birthing exercises for a few hours and then they came back to check my cervix again to see if I made any progress. It was also hard because the more cervical checks you do after your water breaks, the higher the chance for infection. So I was also kind of stressed about that too, but we needed to know where I was at in order to tell if I needed the meds or not. And unfortunately, when they checked again, nothing had changed, which was kind of just like a huge bummer. Um, but it was what it was. So I took the misoprostol and then I had to get checked again a few more hours later. So around 4 p.m. is when I actually started to feel the contractions. Not super intense, but I definitely unmistakably could tell that they were contractions. So I was hopeful that something was happening. And when they checked again, my cervix was actually now 80% effaced. So Obviously, the one dose of that misoprostol was enough to do its job, so I didn't have to take any more, which was kind of nice, but I was now only two centimeters dilated, so I didn't really progress that much, and time was becoming a little bit more of an issue. It had now been about, I think, 13 or 14 hours since my water broke, so the next conversation was kind of just about starting me on Pitocin, and Pitocin if you don't know, is what they use to induce you or kind of get your contractions to become more frequent or aggressive to actually start progressing labor. But I really, really, really did not want to take Pitocin because I've heard that if you're induced, your contractions are like 10 times stronger. And so I knew going into this that if I had to take Pitocin, I probably would be way more likely to opt for an epidural. And I just didn't want that snowball effect. So again, I asked the nurse if we could just wait it out a few more hours unmedicated and see what happened. So we did and we just waited it out for a while and I just wrote out the contractions as they became more intense and they became closer together just kind of on their own and I did that until about 3 a.m. the next day. So a full 24 hours after my water broke and it was really hard. <laughs> I would say my contractions got really bad around maybe like 9 p.m. So from like 9 to 3 I was really struggling but now I know what contractions feel like, which is cool. I know it's different for everyone, but for me personally, they kind of just felt like insane urges to go number two. Like, almost like you got just like the worst food poisoning you've ever had in your entire life. And if you didn't go to the bathroom immediately, you would just explode from the pressure and the pain. And it was so crazy how they came in distinguishable waves. Like every three or so minutes, I'd feel the pain coming on. And then at about 30 seconds, it'd be peak pain and then come back down. So they were literally like a minute at a time. And it's just so strange that when they stop, you feel totally fine again. Like as soon as the contraction stops, you feel like normal and fine. Like they don't hurt at all. Which is why to begin with, I thought that I'd be able to tough it out and just handle it because I mean, you can do anything for a minute, right? But 
after four or five hours of that, you start to just get so exhausted, especially after not sleeping for 24 hours. I was honestly just so, so tired. I did have a birthing comb, which was just like a little wooden comb that I got off Amazon that you can squeeze during contraction. So I used that a lot and it kind of just helps to redirect the pain to a different area of your body. And I really liked that personally. I thought it helped a ton. I also had insane marks on my hand from the comb, just like digging into my skin, but I didn't really care. We also had our worship music playlist going and we had some salt lamp nightlights. So it was like a nice calming ambiance in the room. I would say probably the hardest things were one that I had to keep going to the bathroom to pee because this little girl had been sitting on my bladder since like pretty much the start of my third trimester and getting contractions while trying to pee is like not ideal and not super fun. Like I would walk to the bathroom and have to stand there and wait out a contraction, sit down, pee, and then have to wait out another contraction as I'm trying to like pull my diaper back up. It was horrible. And two, I honestly wanted to labor for longer on the toilet, as weird as that sounds, because it felt the most relieving to me, but I couldn't because I had to be plugged into the monitor the entire time so that they could keep an eye on her heart rate. And so every time I went to the bathroom, I'd have to unplug myself and then re-plug myself back in once I was done. And then if I took too long to plug myself back in, they would come in the room and yell at me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They didn't actually yell at me, but you could kind of tell that they were like getting annoyed with how much I was unplugging and re-plugging back in, but whatever. I had to do what I had to do. And then three, the lack of sleep, because I wish that I would have tried to sleep more the day before and I wish I would have been able to sleep that night but my contractions were just so intense that I couldn't relax for more than like two minutes at a time. I got to a point where the contractions were so bad that I laid down in the hospital bed just to give my legs a break and I was just like gripping the railing on the bed with both hands physically shaking it so hard that I like I wanted to pass out. Also, if I was going to lay down, they wanted me to use that peanut ball thing in between my legs to keep my pelvis open and, you know, the peanut ball 0 out of 10 would not recommend. I hated the peanut ball with a burning passion, although, you know, I'm sure it has its benefits, but it is the most uncomfortable, inconvenient thing and it feels so unnatural and I just I hated every second of it. So it was kind of like pointless for me to even try to lay down. But they came back in around, I want to say like 2.30 a.m. And then they checked my cervix again since my contractions were so consistent and so intense. And guess what? I was still only two centimeters dilated. Literally no change at all. And I just started crying at that point. I was like, you know what? I tried and I can't do this anymore. We were coming up on the 24 hours since my water broke and it just wasn't worth the risk anymore. And at that point, I was honestly just like really beaten down. And I truly felt like I was going to break if I didn't get some sleep or get some form of relief. So I caved and I asked the nurse with tears in my eyes if I could get the epidural and start the dang Pitocin. And sure enough, about 20 minutes later, anesthesiologist comes in we do the epidural thankfully the guy was super nice he made it so easy I honestly was terrified of getting the epidural because of the needle and the fact that it like goes into your back and all that but truly after all the pain that I was in the epidural was like 
nothing. Like, I didn't even care. I was just like, please make this stop. And I also didn't realize that it worked so fast. Pretty much immediately after getting the epidural, I started to go numb from the waist down. And then they make you lay on your back so that the medicine distributes evenly, so you're not, like, more numb on one side rather than the other. So I was just trying to lay down as evenly as possible because I wanted everything to be numb. And it did. Just definitely couldn't feel anything. The nurse was, like, poking my leg, asking if I felt anything, and I was like, literally, no, not at all. You could pretty much chop my whole leg off right now and I wouldn't even notice. I was also scared of the epidural going into this because some people had said it made them feel claustrophobic almost because they couldn't feel anything down there. But let me tell you, I get claustrophobic so easily and I did not feel like that at all. It was seriously just the biggest relief of my life and I was just super thankful for it. They also give you a catheter with an epidural, which I didn't even really think about beforehand, but that was also a game changer for me because now I didn't have to get up to go to the bathroom every two seconds. It just felt like I never had to pee. And that was an incredible feeling after feeling like I needed to pee every five minutes for the last couple months. So I wasn't mad about it. And I didn't even really feel them put it in because I was so numb. <laughs> so if they didn't tell me they were doing it, I probably wouldn't even have noticed. And right after that, about 30 minutes later, around 3 a.m., that's when they started me on the first round of Pitocin. And then they also pumped me with like a ton of fluids. And I just drifted off to sleep while that was going through my IV. Okay, well, not like drifted. I don't want to say I slept that well. I was kind of just like in and out because the hospital's pretty loud and I was just so out of it from the meds, but it was the most sleep that I had gotten in like 24 hours, so I was thankful for that. And so was Jeremy because he hadn't slept either and now he finally could because I wasn't just absolutely dying from the pain. <laughs> so we're taking our little nap and the nurse comes back in around 6 a.m. to check in. They pretty much have to check in every couple hours or so just to keep monitoring, you know, the baby's heart and your heart and your blood pressure and all that. So she comes in for another routine check and as she's typing stuff in her computer, I'm realizing that I'm starting to feel my contractions again and not in a painful way, but in like a holy crap, that's a lot of pressure way. It's hard to explain. It's like I felt my stomach tightening, but without the pain, if that makes sense. And I had this overwhelming urge to want to push something out of me. So I turned to the nurse and I was like, hey, so is it normal if I feel like I have to push right now? And she got kind of wide-eyed and was like, oh, like if you feel like you need to push, then we should definitely check you again. And I was like, okay. But in no way at that point did I think that I had progressed that much because I was still at a two when I fell asleep just three hours ago. So she does the check and sure enough, she goes, oh, oh yeah, there's the baby's head. Okay, you're complete. You're out of 10. It's time to have a baby. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I was so thrown off. I did not expect for things to progress that quickly, but I was so, so happy happy and relieved to hear her finally say that and it was actually really funny because it was just me and the nurse in the room at the time when she told me because Jeremy was in the bathroom so he just walks out of the bathroom all nonchalant and he's like what's up like what's going on and I was like uh I'm about to start pushing and we are ready to have this baby <laughs> and he was like just as shocked as I was but it was really exciting and it felt like we had been at the hospital for so long at that point and finally we're able to get some really good news 
So about five minutes later, the doctor and like seven nurses start flooding in the room. They're flipping on all the lights, getting me set up to push. It felt like a dream, honestly. I think partly I was still kind of out of it from the meds and also I was just so, so exhausted still. And my whole body and face was just puffy because of all the fluids they were pumping into me. But once we get all ready and in position, the doctor starts telling me, you know, how to push. And in my head, I'm like, okay, this is going to be really hard because gravity is working so against me here. <laughs> like I'm on my back, my feet are up in these stirrup things. How the heck am I supposed to push anything out like this? I get that they have to do it like that with an epidural because you can't physically stand or put weight in your bottom half when you're that numb, but it's still just absolutely wild to me that we can still push a baby out in that way. So basically I had to do three pushes every time I felt a contraction coming. So I'd feel the contraction, take a deep breath in, out, in, and then push, push, push as hard as I could for as long as I could, and then take another big breath in, and then push, push, push as hard as I could for as long as I could, and I had to do that three times in a row and then I'd get like a little bit of a break for about 30 seconds or so to try to like catch my breath and then just do it all again. Jeremy was actually dying laughing afterwards because he said I was cracking jokes in between rounds of pushing <laughs> and I honestly was so out of it I didn't even remember what I said but apparently I was like this is the most exercise I've had in nine months and something about how I felt like I needed my inhaler. <laughs> But all the nurses and my doctor were so nice. They were so encouraging, so helpful. They laughed at all my stupid comments. They cheered me on and told me I was doing a great job. And it was just a really, really good experience. I also had Jeremy put on the playlist that I made for Emma with all of my favorite worship songs. And one of the nurses even turned it up louder when I was pushing. She was like, you know, hey, if you're going to play it, let's really play it. <laughs> and it was just really nice. Um... So I'm really, I'm really happy with like the team of doctors and nurses that I had. And then it was crazy because it got to a point where I just started mentally saying to myself that I didn't think I could do this because it was so hard and I was so tired and I felt like my body was just not capable. And one of the songs that I have a really deep connection to came on and it's the song Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship. And it's one of the songs that I listened to on repeat when I first found out I was pregnant with Emma after the two miscarriages. And I would just listen to that song in the car on the way to my doctor's appointments to get blood drawn to make sure that my HCG levels were rising. And I would just bawl in the car because I was so scared that I was going to lose her. And the song says, I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. And so... It's just a really emotional song for me and Jeremy knows that too so when it came on while I was pushing we couldn't even look at each other without tears in our eyes <laughs> so we pretty much didn't even look at each other the whole time because we would have both just lost it but right when that happened I just started praying mentally for God to give me supernatural strength to get me through this and to help me push to get her here safely and it was like this huge weight had been lifted off of me and I felt like I could keep going. And then even crazier, so there's this other song that's been super prevalent throughout this pregnancy. It's called Make Room by, I think it's by The Church Will Sing, I believe. But it's another one that I listened to on repeat when I was pregnant with her because it's basically about surrendering your fears to the Lord. And I needed that so badly during this pregnancy because 
I was pretty much just an anxious mess for nine months. And it says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. And for me, it kind of had a double meaning. One, that I needed to make room in my heart for God to be in control and not to worry so much about, you know, if my body was capable of carrying her. And I just needed to release my anxieties to him and know that he was in control and taking care of things. And then two, I was making room in my physical body for this baby to grow and thrive and do whatever she needed to do in order to get here safely. And I actually told Jeremy earlier in the day after my water broke that make room was Emma's song. So when it came on after Sea of Victory while I was pushing, it was like, I don't know, it's kind of like a little God wink of encouragement. And I just knew at that point that she was going to be born to that song. And she was. And it was the most magical, beautiful thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. And all in all, I think I pushed for about maybe 15 minutes and then she was here. She did, um, she had the cord wrapped around her neck a little bit, but it wasn't tight or anything. So when she came out, I just kind of heard the doctor say, oh, she has a little jewelry. And then they took it off really quick. And um, she also took a really big swallow right when she came out and she took in a bunch of fluids. So she kind of like coughed for a second and they had to just put her in the little warmer thing really quick to kind of suction it all out. But again, it was super quick. They were like on top of it and they immediately placed her on my chest right after. So I got to do skin to skin for about an hour and it was just perfect. Her little eyes were just wide open and she was just looking up at me the whole time. And I just felt so relieved and so in shock at the same time. Like I couldn't believe that she was actually real and that this was actually happening. It felt like the whole thing was just a dream and I don't know, it was just such a surreal moment. I also didn't tear at all. I had one minor cervical abrasion, I think is what the doctor called it, but it was just a couple stitches internally that I honestly didn't even feel. It took her like literally two seconds and then I birthed the placenta, didn't feel that thanks to the epidural. It honestly just felt kind of relieving to get it out of me and it's so slippery and like, you know, it really just kind of slips right out of you. So if you haven't given birth yet and you're worried about that at all, don't be. <laughs> but yeah, that is my birth story. Um, we just had to stay at the hospital for one night because they have to do a newborn screening after 24 hours. But it kind of stunk because it was 6.30 a.m. when I had her. So we couldn't really leave until like late afternoon the next day because we had to wait for all the testing people to be available. But she did great with all of her tests. Everything looked good. So praise God. And we got to take her home on February 3rd. And we were honestly just so excited to come home too because the hospital is just very overstimulating. There's so many noises at all hours of the day and the night. You're out of your environment, so you're not as comfortable. You don't have any of your resources. Like I only brought a few diapers for myself and I definitely should have brought way more because the ones the hospital gave me were just pretty much useless. And then you also have nurses and doctors and cleaning people and food people coming in like every hour or so just to kind of check in. And you don't really get a ton of alone time with just like you and your baby. So as soon as they told us we could go, we were like, great, let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> but overall, I mean, I would say it was a pretty positive experience. I just had kind of a few points where I felt 
a little bit discouraged or like I had to kind of switch up the plan from what I originally had wanted, but I definitely knew that could happen going into it. And at the end of the day, she's here and she's healthy and I'm healthy and that's all that truly matters. And I also don't regret anything, which is great. I'm still really happy that I waited on the medication for as long as I did because I feel like I really got to experience labor and to experience contractions and know what that felt like. And that's really what I wanted going into it. So that is pretty much it for this episode. Like I said earlier, I think I may do a whole nother episode on like that first week home, maybe the first two weeks home because... It's a lot. <laughs> it has only been like a week and a half at this point, And I feel like I could do an entire episode on like 10 things I wasn't expecting about postpartum. Honestly, maybe even like 20 things I wasn't expecting about postpartum because there was just so much. And don't even get me started on breastfeeding or just feeding in general. We can talk about that maybe in that episode too. And of course, you know, everyone's experience with these things are so, so different too, but I don't know. It's just kind of nice to hear about other people's experiences. So that way, if you're going through something similar, you don't really feel so alone. I actually have a good friend who just had a baby not too long ago as well. And we've just been like texting each other these super long texts back and forth whenever we you know, both get the chance to respond. And it's just been really comforting to know that someone else has kind of been where I am. And like, I don't know, it's just really nice to have that support. So shout out to all my mom friends. I appreciate you so much. And I look up to you because this stuff is hard. It's really, really hard. And you know, Jeremy's been so helpful and I'm so appreciative of him. Like I've told him a million times, I honestly don't think that I'd be able to do this without him. But it's still nice to have female friends to talk to about certain things because, you know, no matter how hard they try, men just can't really understand everything that we go through when it comes to birth and also postpartum. And it's really not their fault either. It's just kind of, it's just how it is. It's just a part of the female experience, I guess. <laughs> so it's really important to also talk to your mom friends because they'll make you feel less crazy and less alone. And it's just really nice. Anyways. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. I know it probably seems like my entire personality now is just like pregnancy and mom life, but it's truly just the only thing that my brain can comprehend right now or even think about. I don't really have as much brain capacity at the moment because I'm only getting like two to four hours of sleep every night. So thank you guys for still listening to me and thank you to those of you who have reached out and sent your prayers and your support throughout this whole journey. It seriously means the absolute world. And I want to say that I'll talk to you next Monday, but I feel like I can't make promises right now for when episodes are going to come out. But I can promise that I will still be doing the podcast. I'm not giving up on it. I love it way too much. Episodes just might be a little more inconsistent for a while. But thank you guys for your patience and I hope you guys all have an amazing rest of your week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.